Hey, it's Thursday, the conversation, outspoken and opinionated. Of course, I am the host, Edwin J. You can decide what the last name is. But of course, you know, um, the conversation, like I said, um, the topic for today is this disruption of death. I can't even get it out so you guys know I'm already nervous. But it's going to be a really serious and candid conversation. I have three amazing people that I extremely, extremely respect. These are three people that I know that, you know, through this process, um, they can be able to help me deal with my issues when it comes to the conversation around death. Um, I brought. I started this conversation based on the fact where I had a com- this conversation with a really close family member. We're talking about a family member who did passed away, and that family member, um, husband was doing everything in the house and everything for them, and suddenly he passed away, and she is extremely upset. She's upset with the fact that he left her here to do everything else. And it's a whole process of what's going on with her. And so that's how this conversation started. But I want to share something with you guys. Like I said, this is the conversation. It's outspoken and it's opinionated. And we are we are going to try to answer some questions that you're going to send in. If we can't answer the question, that's fine. This is June. Um, so the entire conversation team is celebrating Pride Month. As you can see, I'm in my shirt. Um, yeah, that's what we do here on the show. So, hey, we are going to do this today. So I want to share something with you guys. And if you guys can permit me, I hope I can do this. Let's do this. So, of course, you know, the conversation, um, you guys already know. Um, yes, there are two amazing people. I love this uh, picture because it shows the hard side and the soft side. But let's go into this. And please, I hope everybody can see this. If you can see this, let me know. Okay. You happy talking about death? To you. My parents' generation never really talked about death because when death happened, they knew that there were these rituals that they had to follow. But I don't think anyone ever discussed feelings around grief or how to deal with grief. When we got in the hospice, I've seen how death affects everyone. So my thing was, I don't want it to affect anyone. I don't want that guilt. I um, didn't think about it before I had cancer. Okay. Uh, first of all, I need to ask, are you guys seeing the video? Can you text in the chat and let me know if you are seeing the video? Because I think you guys already know this is live. This is what happens. Are you seeing the video? Can you text and let me know if you're seeing the video? They're not going to say nothing. That's why I don't like about them. Y'all let me know if you're seeing the video. Okay, let's do this. Share. There you go. Innate denial of death. Are you happy talking about death? To you. My parents' generation never really talked about death because when death happened, they knew that there were these rituals that they had to follow. But I don't think anyone ever discussed feelings around grief or how to deal with grief. When we got in the hospice, I've seen how death affects everyone. So my thing was, I don't want it to affect anyone. I don't want that guilt. I um, didn't think about it before I had cancer. 
To be aware that it's coming and to make plans for it is different from being morbid about it. You, you can't lay out the emotions of these things necessarily in advance, but you can lay out practicalities. Yeah. And then at least you don't have to deal with them on top of the emotions. You've given me instructions on how to close down your Facebook account. I have got a box and I've said to myself, just grab that one box. It's got bits in it and stuff. It really matters or you can sell. Yeah. The thought of her being the person who chooses what music plays at I'd be going out to Chris the Bird, do you know what I mean? I can't have that. I have started thinking about death and how important it is to make plans. What would you put on your headstone? Oh, um, <laughs> oh. Return to sender. Uh, Leave it religiously ambiguous. Okay, so I think that was extremely a serious conversation that we need to have. And so I'm going to bring in my guests. Um, I'm going to start off first with Lisa Stanford. Um, Lisa, you are welcome to the conversation. And uh, okay, guys, Talking this is live. This is what happens. If you guys don't understand this, this it is what happens. Feel uncomfortable. And of course, it seems easier to yeah, there you go. This is what happens. There you go. Lisa, join us. Welcome, Lisa, to the conversation again. Hey. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Hey, thank you for having me. Okay, and I'm going to bring in Ray Williams. Ray, welcome to the conversation again. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to bring in the amazing Ebere Okoye. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, everyone. Hi. Good, but you guys, um, like I said earlier, um, I couldn't have this conversation with any other group. Um, I feel that you guys are knowledgeable. I feel that um, this is a process, and I don't know. I want to start this journey with you guys. I want to start this journey of having this conversation with the three of you. And I, I, I just that's how I feel, and I'm so glad that you guys accepted the conversation. We're going to dive in. I'm going to talk about my um, issues, and I'm going to just turn it over to Anybody else want to chime in? But this is how uh, I want to let you guys know. Um, in 2006, um, I had a cousin who was, we became extremely close in, when I went off to college in 2004, five, I mean, we're extremely close. He lived all the way across the world in Liberia and I live here in the States. We're extremely close. Um, the funny thing that everybody who knew him, every time they saw him, they're like, oh my God. You're Varney because you're related to Varney. I'm like, yeah, like, oh my God, you guys look alike. And it was like that until we spoke. Um, I remember I was going back to college. It was after winter break. And we spoke on that Thursday and Friday after Friday morning when I woke up because my phone was going off. I'm like, why is my phone going off? And my brother called me from Liberia to tell me that my cousin passed away. I'm like, what? I just talked to him yesterday. He wasn't sick. He was fine. But he passed away. Um, I haven't dealt with it. I will be honest and vulnerable right now. I have not dealt with that issue. I don't talk of this. Since maybe he died in 2006, I've had I talked about him maybe three or four times. I've never been to his grave site. I avoid his mom as much as possible when I go to Liberia. 
Um, I do see his sister, which is one of my closest cousins, but we don't talk about him. I try hard to not see none of his kids because if I see his kids, it will remind me about him. I have not dealt with it. In 2009, I lost a really good friend. Um, he just died. I miss him a whole lot because we had so many plans as friends growing up in the same neighborhood. Like I was coming to America, he was gonna to come to America because his family was here, his mom and siblings was here and they were going to send for him, but he died. A couple of years ago, I lost an aunt. And that process was different because I saw the transition. And so I'm able to deal with that. I saw my aunt was diagnosed with cancer and I saw her transition from being 100 to what I would say zero. And we had to deal with it. Do we talk about it? No, because I'm extremely close to her daughter. We have spots of conversations here and there, but that is a death I feel that I am, I have been able to deal with in kind of a sense, but not 100%. Um, this conversation for me is extremely difficult and I wanna just be transparent and honest with everybody. Um, we don't talk about my cousin that died. Nobody calls his name. Nobody talk about him. It's like he never existed. That tears me apart. And I think for me, it's because I love to talk and I love to have conversation. I think that's my healing process. And because we don't do it, I have been stuck in my whatever. Um, and I want us to have this conversation. And so um, I did not know this was going to happen. Hmm. But <laughs> I'm going to turn it over to Lisa. Um, can you just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I know. Just tell us about your situation and, you know, and so how we can go into this conversation. Sure. Um, it's always easy to sign up for these things until you're in the moment. But um, so my experience with grief, I mean, I've known of a lot of family members that have passed away, but I would say on a personal note, it wasn't until 2013 where I lost uh, my father and my son 10 days apart. Um, so very two different types of deaths. Um, with my father, like you, EJ, I was able to see him transition. He was diagnosed with cancer, had the surgery, did chemo, did radiation. God's going to heal you. This, that, and the third. It's about to be a powerful testimony. And we were so married to one outcome that for the other outcome to happen, it was like, what like wait what like what was all that work for for you to still die anyways and then with me getting pregnant there was all that drama there but getting to a place of acceptance to then lose the baby it was like again like god's your plan like what was that even for what what's the point of even going through that so I will say, I feel like I've dealt with those two things. They're very different because one, you're a child and then one, you're a parent. And so they're very two different roles. Um, I felt like my dad's death overshadowed um, my premature labor because everybody knew my dad. He was an adult. He's a grown man. 
versus a baby being more personal to the woman, to the mother, to me. So I didn't have a chance to grieve that until I moved out where I was wilding out, let's be honest. But I was wilding out and that's just the way I was grieving. Um, and then I realized that that was the diagnosis, like I hadn't dealt with it. So it's grief is a journey. Um, it comes and goes. February is not my favorite month at all. I hate it, to be quite honest, but I've learned that it's a part of life. You have to deal with it. You have to talk about it when you're ready to. And I think grieving the idea of life without that person is the worst part of it all. Like, I don't have a dad, so my wedding is going to look different. My everything looks different for when those shoes are no longer there and trying to get a village to fill those shoes is hard because you have to be vulnerable and asking for that help. So that's been my process um, and my experience with grief. Ray, I'll just go with you and then we'll have a bear. Yes. Uh, uh, oh yeah. I've, I've been numb to death from, I was like 16 till about a year ago because I had at least 10 friends die from gun violence. So, I just realized like when you live, you're gonna die. But then when my grandmother passed away about a year ago from COVID, it really hit me hard because that's that was my rock. When I was younger, I suffered from seizures and I lived with her and she really looked out for me. She told me to die monthly and things of that nature. So when she when she when I died when she lost when I lost her, it was a different feeling. And then being that I'm not a religious person, so I don't believe in hell or hell, um, heaven. So I feel when you die, you're that's it, you're done. And so that kind of hit me hard. I didn't have that safety net of knowing, okay, well, she's looking down from heaven or anything of that nature. So it's just like a spiral of just falling. So I, I, I deep, just plugged out of Facebook, the internet in general, and I moaned. I'm, I grieved for about a month, but I knew I had to dig myself out because you need both. I believe in balance. And you need, you know, if you, for you to be happy, you have to be sad. Mm. For you to feel passion, you have to feel, you know, lack thereof. So it's a balance. And so once I got through that month of grieving, I moved on because I know once you live, you're going to die. And so is life. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, my first experience with death that was very close. I've lost, you know, like my uncle and my grandfather <clears throat> but the first close experience I had with death was with my mom. Um, I got married in 1999, January. Um, within two months, got a call. My mom said she's not feeling well. And within five weeks, she was gone. Um, so from January 4th to being in a wedding, to literally going back to the same church, to the same people to do a funeral, um, did a number on me. Um, she was only 48 years old um, then when she passed. So the shock of it all, you know, was something that was very difficult. And then I had younger brothers. My brothers were 19, 8, 17, and 16. So automatically I became a mom, you know, to three little boys that I had to um, care for. And I was here and my dad and my brothers were back home. Just my older brother and I were here. Very difficult. Um, nobody could really understand my grief. Every little thing made me cry. My friends didn't know what to do with me. It was horrible. 
And it, it, it didn't get better, it got worse. Because every year I'm thinking, well, I'm gonna wake up and somebody's gonna call me like, oh, something. This was all a joke. Literally, I was in that state for four years until I saw my dad's wedding card. That's when I realized that my mom had really passed. Um, we had to go for the wedding because my brothers were there. I was pregnant, but I had to be there for my brothers. One of my brothers ran away, did not want to be, you know, in the um, in the wedding. My dad made him a best man story for another day. But when I, I was pregnant, when I got to Nigeria and saw the wedding card, I passed out mm. um, and I was pregnant. My aunt was so scared, you know, because she's like, why did you even come? But I had to be there for my brothers. They were so young having to deal with all of this. Um, very complicated death. I, I would say that my grief was very complicated. There were, I, I couldn't even think about grieving because I was just dealing with the fact that this person died. So it took me about 10 years. So from 1999, 2009, when my grandmother, my mom's mom passed, that was when I went into deep depression. I became suicidal. Um, two years later, I almost took my life. This is probably the first time I'm sharing it publicly. It was complicated grief. I could not understand how you're with somebody and they're fine and the next minute they're gone and your whole life is turned upside down and now you're in a marriage, you're having children. I feel like my life is moving on and I, I was stuck, you know, and nobody wanted to stop with me and all of a sudden, I, you know, I tell my husband often, like, I find it hard to watch our wedding pictures. Sometimes my children, if I didn't see the picture of me giving birth, I'm like, was I there? Did I have that experience? Because emotionally, I was not available. One of the things that really helped me was the night that I was going to end it all. Thank God I'm a person of faith. You know, God talks to me the way I am. I know some people say sometimes I'm very blunt and rude. God was like, get up. And I was like, what? Get up. And he told me, go to a stand, pick up a magazine, and start reading that magazine. That magazine was from 1996. And I'm telling you, this was like in 2011. That magazine was still in our house. That's how I found out about Celebrate Recovery. I didn't even know there was something like that. And they said it helps you to deal with your, you know, your emotions and stuff signed up best thing that ever happened because I was angry with my mom and I was grieving her at the same time and I could not afford to voice the fact that I was angry at her for leaving us and I was grieving her at the same time. So I went through Celebrate Recovery for a period of two years, um, also having marriage issues at that time. Everything was just complicated and then you have little children that you have to care for. Nobody cares about whether you're grieving or not. And then let's not discuss the culture where people think that you should have gotten over it, don't want to talk about it, don't want to bring it up. I want to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. So <clears throat> I had my bout um, of grief. Then my dad passed away two years ago. Um, I thank God because when my dad passed away, I think I was a little bit more prepared for him passing because I did a lot of, if you see me, how I'm always hyper, always doing things, it's because I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. So I'm doing everything with my kids. I did everything with my dad. I honored him, all the weddings, his birthday, did everything to honor that man. So that the day he took his last breath, I can say, I left nothing. 
And I was also compensating for the fact that I really wasn't there and available. I was young. I was in my 20s for my mom. So it's it's been a wonderful day. If you ask me what one experience fundamentally changed me, it was losing my mom. Um, but would I give it up for anything? Do I want to ever go through that or wish that on my worst enemy? No. But do I thank God that I've gone through that journey? Yes. One, I'm able to help others. Two, I don't take life for granted. I'm always doing stuff with my kids. I talk about insurance. I talk to them about death. When we knew that my dad was sick and it was possible that he was dying, we went on a family retreat and all we discussed was death. We had a very serious conversation um, with the kids about the reality of death and what to expect and all that, because I did not want my kids to ever be caught with their pants down like we were. So, thank you for letting me share. And you shared that the last aspect of what you shared, because I think is a, is a conversation that we don't have. And I say that because um, um, a couple of months ago, my mom was extremely sick and I shared it and I will share it again. And I remember having a conversation with you, Barry, and it was a deep conversation. But I tell you, it wasn't a conversation. It was a voice and text conversation that we had. But it was extremely deep because she made me on one thing I remember that she said was, as we get older, our parents get older. And I was like, I never realized that. Because it's that we celebrate life when people are born, but we forget to realize that, that every day draws that person one step closer to their death. And so for me, um, I, I, I'm struggling with you know having a conversation, dealing with it. But how I, you maybe we're I don't think we're we might not be all there yet. I know I'm not there, but how have you guys been able to play these conversations? Because I feel as that when you're going through this process, it's like the battle of the mind. You're having these thoughts, I might be wrong, but I just want to find out does anybody have these thoughts and how have you been able to balance these thoughts? Well, we're working, nobody got time for you. Keep on going, got to do this, got to do that. How you been able to cope with those uh, battles in the mind? I can pick on Ray. <laughs> ask the question again so I could get my thoughts together. So, during the process, mm -hmm. there is this battle of the mind. Mm -hmm. But you also have to clock it out. You got to go to work. You got to take care of your family. You got to do all that stuff. How are you able to deal with that? Because, like I said, life's a balance. And so if you live, you're going to die. Okay. It's just that's what it is. You know, there's no sugarcoating it. You might believe in the hereafter, whatever the case may be. But once you live, you're going to die. For all the times undefeated. So with that being said, we all need to get our affairs in order in terms of the burial ground, paying for the, the, the plot paying for everything, because my grandmother paid for everything. So all we had to do was show up to her funeral. Granted, I couldn't go because of COVID-19. And my wife had certain underlying issues that I wouldn't want to risk my wife's life because my grandma's dead and gone, in my, in my understanding. So like I said, you just have to understand and have that balance that we're going to die and just get over it and keep pushing. For me, um what was different the second time around with my dad was because I had had this experience of suppressing my feelings and knowing that it doesn't go away. It just 
is going to manifest in other areas. I took a proactive approach in handling the fact that my dad was getting ready to pass. I started my counseling. I went on that couch and started sitting on that therapy couch before it happened. Mm -hmm. I actually, after my dad passed, I took my brother. He only went once and didn't go again. It's very uncomfortable for some people to talk about. I actually told my brothers when they were going home, hey, my dad may not make it. Have all your conversations, ask all the questions. My brother just could not get himself um, to do it, um, even though he saw that the man was deteriorated. So I respect everybody's journey with that. But for me, I was very open with mine. I told my clients, if I'm talking to my clients and I got to cry, I tell them, hey, I just lost my dad. Give me a minute. My dad died on like a Tuesday. I had a speaking engagement in Boston on Thursday. I flew. I went there and I told them, hey, this is what happened. I've changed my flight. I can only stay here one day, did my speaking engagement and came right back. But I wore my feeling on my sleeves with my dad because I knew what suppression, the culture that I grew up in caused me to suppress my feelings and thoughts, things that I couldn't really talk to other people about. And I saw what it did to me. So with my dad, I was a little bit more prepared. So my advice to people is that as difficult as it is, you're much better off having that conversation and preparing than not preparing. It's worse when you just let it happen than you know, being proactive about it. And my, I'll always say, have no regrets. As long as you're listening to this conversation, do not let anybody that you love die with any regrets. Anything that you need to say, say it now. I don't care how old they are. Anything that you need to do, do it now. Any crying that you need to do, stop crying now. Do not postpone it and say, oh, I don't want to deal with it. Because guess what? Your emotions are going to, they're going to take you to town if you suppress it. It doesn't go away. It just gets worse. Um, Lisa, I want to ask, I want to really be more specific when it comes to you, because I think you said something that, you know, it just flew over our head and was like, ah. <laughs> you made a, you made, you made a point about, you know, it was a couple of months in between when you had the experience, two experiences, a couple of months apart. And ten you, days, ten yeah, days, ten days apart. And you made a statement where, you know, your dad was a grown man. Everybody was, it overshadowed the other experience. So I, um, how are you able to bring that experience to reality, even though the other experience overshadowed it? Um, it became my job. You know, I started, I specialized in maternal child health. And so if nobody was going to shed light on it, I did. Um, Caribbean family, you know, my parents are Jamaican. So my mom was just like, you know, it is what it is type thing. And she lost her husband. So that obviously was more of her focus, whereas I lost my dad and, you know, a baby. So it was hard, you know, but I made sure that it was, something that I wanted to do for my story. So I worked in the hospital. I worked with moms. I sat there and saw some full termers that were that were dead. I saw moms give birth. And so that just became my passion. The whole like turn your pain into purpose and passion was real for me. And so that is what I still do today. Like on Instagram, like EJ, you'll see, you know, I'll write about moms. I'll post about my experience. It's uncomfortable, but I feel like, the story will just be washed away if you don't make it known. 
Um, but it's still, my dad's death still overshadows, you know, that experience. And it's sad to say it that way, but it's the truth, a hard truth. And sometimes like family members or my friends, they'll be, you know, cautious. Like, do we say something like when Mother's Day come up, do we mention something? Whereas with my dad's death, it's more comfortable for people to say, how are you doing? And, you know, so I've just learned to grieve on my own. Sometimes that works, sometimes that doesn't. And make it known the way that I can, the best way that I can, while still honoring my father at the same time. And so um, I know you very touching on what she talked about, the fact where she was angry with her mom, leaving her, and of course, leaving the siblings and the responsibilities that you have to undertake. And I think um, for me, I know that's the anger that I had with my really best friend that died. I'm like, we had all these plans and you died. Like, I'm, I'm like extremely angry with him. Um, I didn't talk to his mom or dad or anyone in his family until his sister was getting married. And she had to call the whole world to get in contact with me just for me to go to the wedding because that's how mad I was when I saw them. I remember at her wedding, the anger rose in me and it, my, one of my friends literally had to take me outside and say, you need to calm down because it's like, and I didn't, it was like, I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I want to put that question out to you guys. It's like, do you feel that when you lost that person, there was a part of you that left with that person? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I always say there's a bearer. If you you know how they talk about Jesus Christ. Sorry, Ray, I know you don't believe in him. He's real. Hey, right? so, <laughs> so I know that there's a there's a uh, you know they talk about AD and BC. So before Christ and after death or whatever, after the death of Christ and before. I always say there's a bearer before mom and a bearer after mom. There was a bearer before May fifteenth. 1999 and there was a bearer, a very different a bearer that showed up after 1999 and there was something um, because I'm a member of a group. One thing I've learned is finding your support group. I'm like in five different uh, motherless daughters group on Facebook and we see all kinds of things on there where people are posting about their experiences and one of them says the day she dies you become an adult the kind of adult that doesn't have a mother. That is a different kind of adult than before, trust me. I know everybody has their own experience, you know, to be a child, we had somebody lose their husband, you know, somebody lose a, a sibling. Everybody's grief um, is very different. But at the end of the day, it's fundamentally changing. I would not be the bearer Koya that I am today if my mom had not passed. First of all, at the age, that she did, and then in the manner in which it happened, it was just the suddenness of it all. One day the person is gone, the next day, like for me, I was on my way to choir practice <laughs> at church, and they had to take me home to break the news. They literally had to hold me down because I almost jumped from the third floor window. I was, And I was in a state of shock for eight years. Um, so yes, it fundamentally changed me. A part of me left, a part of me died, a part of me grieved, a part of me was in fantasy because I believe she was coming back. You know, it took me a while to really realize you need to wake up and smell the coffee that that this is this is it. You know, so yeah. Ray, you want to attack that question? 
Well, um, I, I think it's a good thing to miss that person. That meant that they, they were there for you. They, they left a, a, a footprint in your life. And so you have to miss this person. It's, it's only right. So if you live a good life, it's a legacy. And that person is going to miss you because of what you did for them. So it's, it's a good thing. I think you have to embrace the pain. But did you ever feel there was a part of you that left after yeah, but, the past? Yeah. Yes, sir. And then that, that you have to lose a part of you. As we're getting older, so we're losing by getting older. And that person, she's not there so I could talk to her, so I could reason with her. But now I have to step up and be that person for somebody else. Everybody have their time. Mm -hmm. um, there is this thing that people normally say, um, you know, um, I hate that comment. I remember when Auntie Nancy died and somebody said that to me. They're like, oh, um, why are you guys crying? She's going to a better place. That took me to a different place. And I will tell you, I have never been the same with that person ever again in my life. And so I want to talk. I really want us to really tackle that. That statement of this person is leaving and they're going to a better place. Like I see Iberi and Lisa shaking their heads. So I'm going to start with Lisa. <laughs> tell me about your experience with that statement because I know you received that statement. Uh, I think within the first, like, and everybody's grief stages and what you go through is different. It's, you know, it's not a straight line. But I think for me, um, it's disrespectful to say that in the beginning because first of all how do you know they go to a better place you don't know them you know so i'm just like what do you mean what does that mean you know but of course when spirituality gets into it your religion gets into it i think it's definitely a blanket statement that people use um because they don't know what to say death is uncomfortable so i think people don't have bad intentions but i will say in the beginning it made me side eye a couple people. Um, of course, I would believe that my father's in a better place, but during that time, you really don't want to hear that, but it's a blanket statement. And I think people just use that as a band-aid to help you on your healing journey, but that's just not, those statements for me personally don't help you heal. It's just like, again, putting a blanket over it. So I would just be like, okay, you know, but tapping into my relationship with God that is truly a belief that I have personally. So it has helped me cope with my grief, but I had to get there on my own, not you telling me that that's the way I should process it. Hey, Bear? <clears throat> yeah, I don't, even up till today, I don't think telling me that they're in a better place is gonna work. Oh, God needed somebody and they took the best, all that crap, please spare me and just shut up, you know? <laughs> or, you know, you're a Christian and we don't mourn as those are, oh, start, you know, you start talking to somebody on the phone. They're like, oh, stop crying. Stop crying. Let's move on to something else. No, I do want to talk about my mom dying at 49. I do want to talk about the fact that I almost lost my life because nobody knew how to help me with my grief because in our culture, we don't talk about it. In our Christian circles, nobody thinks, oh, this person that lost their mom needs counseling. That's why for me, my heart always goes out to people who lose somebody I'm always reaching out because I'm like not everybody is comfortable having this conversation in a safe place and don't say nothing stupid 
you know? So there's a lot of things. Somebody will say, oh, did you read your Bible? I actually had somebody tell me, oh, if you had told us that your mom was sick, we could have prayed to stop it. Yes. <laughs> Oh, we could have prayed to stop it. Yes, people say people say all kinds of. What I've noticed, being part of this motherless daughters group, there's actually one post today where the mother-in-law told the girl that she's jealous of her because she's alive and her mother is dead. Literally, somebody Mm -hmm. said that to somebody that is breathing. You're jealous Mm -hmm. of me because I'm alive and your mother is dead. People people say the most insensitive things and don't even know your journey and you know and then let's not talk about the father's wives i don't call them stepmothers but mm. father's wives and the things that they say about your your parent and all that so for wow. me i think people really need to learn about grieving because i wish i could post what people share every day behind closed doors on what they're dealing with and the society not being equipped to deal with people um in their grief. People say the craziest things or somebody say, oh, let me pray with you. I love God. I love Jesus, the Holy Spirit there in my heart. But even they know that sometimes I'm not trying to talk to y'all right now. I just want to cry. I want you, my worship, my crying is my worship because I'm worshiping in spirit and in truth. The Bible says that come to him. If you come to him, you come to him in spirit and truth of what I'm dealing with. I don't want you to pray it over. It's not going to go away. I want to sit down and talk about it. And when I went through Celebrate Recovery and I spoke my truth for two years, I started getting better. Do I know my parents are in a better place? Of course I know they're in a better place. Does that help with my grieving? No, it doesn't. No, no. There's Even today, I don't care. I don't, you can see I'm getting animated. Even though I'm better, that does not take away the grief. So I've learned how to separate who I talk to, where I go to get my fix. You know, I go back to counseling, go to therapy, go to celebrate recovery. I get together with other motherless daughters. I get together with other people who are grieving and we just talk and cry. And after that, like Ray said, you still got to go do life. So you move on and keep it moving. But sometimes it's good to take that time out. You know, the Bible says, um, he leads me beside the still waters and he restores my soul. If your soul has not been broken into, why wouldn't it need restoration? So the fact that my soul needs restoration means that it was broken into. And death breaks into your soul in a very, very difficult way. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel um, ignorance is bliss. Because when I was like 12, 13, I was get, starting to get in trouble as a young youth. And my grandmother made, made me read the whole Bible one summer. And then there's nowhere in the Bible where it says that as soon as they die, they go to heaven. In Revelation, you're, you're, you rest until when it's all sorted out, then he'll come back and rise you from the dead. So I, like I say, ignorance is bliss. So I just take it and keep it moving. And we're going to keep that conversation for another day. That's all two hours conversation. But there's no word in the Bible that says it. So it's like people are just trying to comfort you. And I think it's... Go ahead, Lisa. Go ahead. Piggybacking off of that, I know we're focused on people and how they respond to our grief. But can we talk about God in this? Because I do feel like I was going there. there. I was that... going there. Okay. I was well, going there. So no, because no, I feel no, like go ahead, go ahead. for me, my anger wasn't more so directed at people. It was directed at God. And you know, I'm a Jesus lover, faith going. You know, I love me some Jesus. But 
it was hard for me because it was like, but how could you do this? Like, how did that, how does that make sense that you are to do good yet? This was not good. Like this. All, hurt me. all this good and perfect thing comes from you. This is not perfect. And this is not good. And this, no, it's not. And so to be real about it, of course, there was a period where I backslid. It wasn't all pretty where it's like, I'm going to go to the Lord and pray and he's going to restore me. Yes, that sounds nice. But really, I wasn't going to God. Now, mature and growing, mm -hmm. I understand that that wasn't the right way to deal with things, going to parties, drinking, doing this, that, and the third to heal and grieve. But during that process, if somebody were to come to me and say, you need to pray and you need to fat or do all that, absolutely not. Because if you are God who gives life, you also authorize for people to die as well. So why would you do that? As you can see now, like, Barry, I'm getting animated. Because mm -hmm. for me, that was where it struck a, like, whoa, like, I give my life to ministry, to service, to this, to that. And we're praying fast and pastors come in every day, all this stuff for what? So it was just, it was hard for me to make sense of it. Um, and it still is. It's still a struggle, to be honest. So I wanted to just touch on that. No, and I, I can go ahead. Go ahead. No, I can touch on that real quick. The best experience that I've had with God is dealing with him on the subject of death. Because it's 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 one of those things where people can come and give a testimony. Oh. You know, they take off their glasses. Oh, this prophet <laughs> prayed for me that I took off my glasses. And then the next Sunday, you see that they put it back on. I'm sorry, did we go there? Now, with death, you don't have that kind of flexibility. You don't have that kind of flexibility. You don't have that kind of flexibility to say, oh, my back was hurting. And then the man of God poured holy water. And then, I'm sorry, I'm going Nigeria now. And then you are healed. When the person is in the hospital and they're going six feet below, there's no if and or but then maybe break all that they dead they dead and then dead they slow you're gonna leave them there and you're gonna leave so for me it forced me to grow up in my faith and one of the things I learned in my faith with God is the issue of boundaries the reason why we're grieving the reason why we're angry the reason why we're upset is because we don't know our boundaries boundaries of where God starts and stops where others start and stop, and then where I start and stop. It literally took me 15 years to respect the fact that my mother had literally said to my dad, way before she got sick, if I ever found myself in a vegetative state, I want God to take me. So God answering her prayers versus Zabera's prayers, whose prayers is he going to answer? If she had the opportunity to decide whether she wants to stay or whether she wants to go, she pretty much made her decision. You know, same thing with my dad, 82 years old. I can pray that he's here, but if he's ready to go, I don't have a say in that. It is not my place. You know, um, my, my relationship with death gave me a much deeper and closer relationship with God because he was the only one that I could really be real with. Do you know it took me 11 years to utter the words I miss my mom, but I'm angry with her. My culture could not allow that. My church environment would not allow that. Those are not the kind of things that you're able to discuss and talk about openly. And my life stopped. And in the last 10 years, I really started living. I started opening up, doing things, but my life literally stopped. And people will see you, oh, she's a, you know, I kept imagining that night. 
wow, people will come and find a bearer dead and they'll be like, oh, she's such a powerful sister and she's this and she's this. What happened? Well, something happened and nobody was able to talk about how are you doing with, you know, this grief. The people that are close to me knew, but not everybody, you know, knew about it. So for me, my relationship with God actually improved because of my true encounter with death. You cannot, that's not one miracle that you can afford to just, you know, and you can't do no oopsie on that one. It is right there in front of you and you have to deal with it. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about that and it takes me to a place where I know how I missed my cousin so much that I asked God if he could give me a moment with my cousin. And that's when I had the revelation. The only moment that you can get with your cousin is if you really go to where he is. And do, are you ready to go to where he is? And that for me was able to help me to get out of my bondage of grief. Like I said, I was in college. I was doing what I was supposed to do. I have a very hard exterior, so nobody knew I was going through this process, but I dealt with it. The way I know how to deal with everything, I shut down. I shut down with everything else, but I still did what I was supposed to do. But when it came to the whole social aspect and talking to people about it, no, I don't want to talk about it. I go somewhere, I don't want to talk about it. And I just let it slide and let it slide. And that's when I realized that, okay, I need to do something with myself because he's gone. He's not coming back. And the only way you can see him, uh, uh, I you want to, Go down that rabbit hole, but I don't think you're ready to go down that rabbit hole. And I brought that up because I think I want us to really touch on the conversation of preparation. Sorry, can we talk about God first real quick? Mine is really one sentence. Okay, go ahead. I remember when my (laughs) uncle was telling me, God is going to be with us and just hang in there. And I said, can you let me talk to God for a second? I need to talk to God for a second. Yo, dude, upstairs. The only reason why you can do what you're doing is because you're up there in heaven. Yeah. If you think you're man enough, why don't you come down here and talk to me? Come on. Yeah. I was so mad. I'm like, if you think you're man enough, you think it's easy to just sit down on your throne, waltzing and doing whatever while we down here suffering and why did you even throw the devil here how about you come down here if you were a real man <laughs> my uncle we always remember that conversation because i was lit that's how mad i was but it was you know it had just happened and stuff and then you grow out of it so i just wanted to throw that in there well somebody in my family got it because they said that i cursed them out i cannot remember <laughs> that i cursed them out but i cursed them out apparently it was one of my aunts um, I just went off on him and I cursed him out. I was really cursing God, but apparently, like I cursed at him. I said all the words in the book you can think about this effing this. Like, I can't believe you did this. Like, you did this. Like, I went full blown. And all they did was just stood there and allowed me to go through that. And at the end, it was like, okay, we still got to do this. Because, of course, in my family, I'm the person who have to deal with. That's the part I really wanted to talk about. Me as well. <laughs> Me as well. I think um, in every family, there is a person that the family look up to. I won't say my family look up to me, but I think my family, there's a level of respect that my family has for me 
that everything is turned around to me, and especially my family over here in the States. And I remember, you know, when my cousin died, he was said, oh, EJ, what are we going to do? What are family going to do? I'm looking at him like, we are grieving. Why are you asking me? And of course, when my aunt died, literally, I remember us sitting in a family meeting and everybody turning to me and say, you're going to plan this. Mm. And I had to deal with that. And I tell you, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And you guys are on this live and everybody's watching. I always say that, you know, divorce is the hardest thing. But I tell you, planning the funeral of somebody that you love and you miss is the hardest darn thing you will ever do in your life. Because the fact that the freaking funeral home people is going to call you on a regular, that annoys you. Mm. To pick a picture. <laughs> yes. Like, Which picture do you want? <laughs> yeah, they choose whatever picture. And of course, I can't go back to all my aunts and my cousins because they're not in the right frame of mind. So they don't even care. They're like, do whatever you want to do. Oh, then you got to pick a song. So what kind of song do you think they should play? What kind of song do you think? Do you think I really want to play the song that she really like at the funeral so I can like, pass out? Mm. It's all these things that you go through in your head and this process that you go through that everybody else doesn't understand. But at the end of the day, everybody goes home and you are left alone. And I just want us, I know it's it's going to be a crazy, but I want you, if you can reflect on that day. I know for Ray, it was Zone. I mean, Barry, you traveled and ready to focus on your mom and Lisa, your dad. When everybody left, what was your conversation to yourself? Lisa. It was lonely for me. Thank you. It was lonely because, um, so I have a blended family. So it was interesting because my dad, the day that he passed was the day that my five siblings were supposed to come from Jersey to visit. And he wanted a picture of all of us. So when we said he's declining very fast and they were like, we can only come Tuesday, I think, no, was it? Yeah, Tuesday morning, my dad passed Monday night. So that took, they always say life and death always shakes up a family dynamic when you give birth and when somebody dies. So that, of course, shook up our family dynamic because they didn't get along with my mom, people cussing each other out and everybody looking at me like, we got a funeral to plan. I'm like, what? You know, and and I just lost the baby, too. So I'm just like, hold up. Like, why is everybody coming to me to be that emotional container? That's the role that I play in my family. Everybody comes to me to fix the emotional problems. So it was tough because you have a split family. You know, my dad was the anchor. So it's like, how do you now fill those shoes and merge two families that don't necessarily get along? And have very strong personalities. And well, we want this. Well, we want this casket. So you in the funeral hall and people people are arguing, you know. So it was tough because when everything was said and done and people came to the funeral, I danced at my dad's funeral. And all that stuff happens. You go home and it's like, now what? Now what? Like, what is life after this? And it was lonely. I couldn't call my sisters, couldn't call my brothers, my sister that I grew up with. That's not her biological father. So she couldn't really understand, couldn't call my mom because she's grieving her. So it was very, very lonely. I would say my support definitely was like my church family, my friends. But 
your whole life shifts. So people are also watching how you're going to react to that life shift because they don't know where they fit into that either. To eat at the um, repast, if you will. So the only thing that really hurt me was the oh fact that- Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, the only thing I just, it hurt me because I, I, I wasn't able to travel to actually go and see that closure. Because once you see them go on the ground and then, you know, the dirt cover, we have that closure, it's time to move on. And then being that <laughs> I was my grandmother's favorite, in my opinion, so we we talked about everything. So everybody called me. It's like I was on suicide watch. I'm like, just give me time. But everybody called me just to comfort me because they knew me and her were so close. So it was just, it's like you have so many people around you, so many people calling you, but you just need that time to heal and just be on your island, if you will, because you need to grieve. It's a good, it's important to grieve. Hey, Barry. Well, you had to get in a whole plane to come back. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know that I want to. I don't want to focus so much on my mom's than my dad's because when my mom, I was so young, got in the plane, did the funeral, came back. If you even told me I was at the funeral, if I, if I didn't see the pictures, I would think I was not there. Literally, my I zoned out for ten years. Wow. But my dad's process, because of what I had been through, I was truly around for the whole experience. I enjoyed the planning. It was stressful because it was during tax season. I mean, this is February 5th. My dad died February 5th. And you know, Nigerians, we like to wait five years to bury. So of mm. course, we, we scheduled the funeral for May. And the most difficult thing for me in planning the funeral for my dad was because I wanted them to bury immediately and we do everything else later. And my brothers wanted to bury later. So that whole waited to go for a funeral during tax season. I don't think mm -hmm. I've shared this publicly, but I passed out a week before tax season. The doctors almost told me that I couldn't finish up tax season because of the stress yeah, of the planning and then dealing with the Nigerian culture and all the things you had to do. And this uncle wants this and all these siblings have to agree and all that. Um, but when we were leaving, after everything was done, I actually, when I got there, I actually got sick. I was sick for like three days um, when we got there. But after everything was done and we had to leave and go back, and I saw my dad's grave and my mom's grave together, and I looked back and I was like, I'll probably never, you know, this is it. I probably may never come back to this village ever again. This is kind of like a closure, a new part of our life. But I was also happy that my brothers and I, we are like tight knit, very, very close because we shared the same grief. We did very well as a family. It did not split us. If anything, it brought us together. Everybody moved here. We're all now in Maryland. We're doing things together and all that and the preparation. So for me, times that I'm by myself, I'm actually, I was thanking God. I was thanking God the whole time because there was one thing that I asked God for. I'm like, with my mom, I didn't have a chance. I didn't get a chance to do anything. Please, before my dad leaves, I would like to get closure and do as much as I can and allow, uh, make it possible so that one of us is there before he takes his last breath. And all of us are here. You know, but my brother literally got into Nigeria January 31st. 
was where my dad was February 2nd and two days later, February 3rd, two days later, my dad took his last breath and my brother was there. So all I could do, even though I was grieving, I was grieving with gratitude. I felt like he heard me and he did not give me any more complicated grief. And because I knew to go to counseling, I was in counseling therapy for six months. You know, um, it helped me to be able to talk and friends. I had friends travel with me from here to Nigeria. I had my friends fly down that weekend to come spend time with me. I guess because, you know, this happened now that I'm older. I have reliable friends, friends that are, you know, friends that literally came down, friends that stayed with us and did everything. You know, when Alima told me she was traveling with me to Nigeria, I broke down in front of church and started crying. You know, like, you're going to go with me to my dad's funeral? He said, yes, I want to be there for you. And then my friend, EJ, you remember her dad, you know, the doctor, she flew in, Vivian flew in. They were all with me. So when I was by myself, it was one of reflection and one of gratitude. I don't even want to talk about my mom because I don't remember. I just zoned out. So I don't, yeah, that one happened really early. So, yeah. Yeah, and so forward, we're all in a place where we are trying to get some sort of help. But why do you think in the Black or African community, this conversation is a taboo? Like apart from Ray's family, I I I never had black people doing that stuff. <laughs> I actually right, asked right. my dad to get insurance. That was 15 years no. ago, and he said I was trying to kill him. Yeah, that, well, let me tell I, I, let me I, tell I, you. I, oh my god, I'm so happy you brought this up. Let me tell you something though. <laughs> I was so worried about my dad's funeral. You know what my dad told me? That I shouldn't worry that he will be buried. Actually, that's making me very emotional now because it brought, it brought me closure on the African culture where I had a lot of issues dealing with the African culture. But when my dad passed and to see how everybody came together to send this man home, the amount of money that we got was almost 50 grand equal to whatever insurance that we would have gotten. At that time, I was proud to be Nigerian. They take care of their own. They will not leave you stranded. And so I kept looking back at my dad, like, I told you, I will be fine. I will be, you know, I'm not going to be a burden to you guys. And so I learned to respect people and their culture because I was so worried. What's going to happen? You need this insurance and all. But in America, <laughs> you better have you some insurance, especially if you have children or people that are dependent on you or whatever. You know, I see even on the motherless daughters group where people don't have money to bury their parents or bury their mom. And it's such a huge issue. But in our culture, we somehow we find a way to come together. That's the whole communal living in Africa versus the individual living in America. And I wanted to talk about that because I had a whole new respect for the Nigerian culture after my dad passed. Um, Lisa, you want to tackle that? Um, I think it's like the same, it's on the same course of mental health. I just think the Black community, us kind of living in a mindset of oppression and not really being able to deal with the trauma, not really being able to deal with 
the struggles that we experience mental health because grief is a part of mental health you do go through mm-hmm. something it it breaks down your mental functioning so it's something that you have to go to therapy for you have to join a group for then that's a part of mental health and that's not something that we do well as a black community i would say now you know bml <laughs> we're getting better at that you know mm-hmm. on all fronts we are yeah. but I think that's probably the root of it. Um, and then the cultural piece. I mean, how many women suffer from miscarriages or preterm labor, but they don't talk about it, you know? So it's the same thing with death. Like culturally, we just don't talk about it. We roll our sleeves up, keep it pushing, keep it moving. And that's it. Ray, I know you have a different experience where, you know, your grandmother, you know, but did she have this mm-hmm. conversation with you guys or did she leave a will? Like, what, how was this? conversation had and i know you have a lawyer in your family so maybe that made it easy <laughs> well yeah because my grandma was a proud person because even i remember dare i say a year or two ago i was driving and i saw this guy on a sign on the side of the road with a sign saying that he's trying to bury his mother and when I, my grandma was on the phone with me and i told her about the situation she's like how disgusting because she's a very proud person so no matter what we always have to embrace it that's what she, she taught me that you have to always plan ahead we always got to make sure that we look good, that we also we carry ourselves in a certain way. Because if you could imagine, I set a GoFundMe for my grandmother to bury her. I think that's very disrespectful. You know, I'm gonna have something to say. You're gonna be wearing all your Gucci. <laughs> You're gonna send me a GoFundMe. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think it's important because I know I did have the conversation with one of my parents, and I know it didn't go well. It was a really bad conversation. I said, okay, I surrender all. <laughs> we'll figure it out when that time comes. Like, I ain't want nobody to come to this. Yeah, like, but I think it's a conversation that is not talked about. I think um, I had a conversation with an older family member recently, and that family member has a big mouth. But at that moment of time, that family member said, Wow, I have nothing to say. Everything you said is fine, and I'm going to figure it out. I said, Okay, fine, because you guys need to understand that when you go, you're going to leave us back here. And there are things mm-hmm. that we have to be responsible for. There are things that we have to clear out. There are things that we have to do. And if you aren't sure, and if you don't have the insurance, or if you don't have all these things that's put in place so that we are able to get certain things together, that's going to be a problem. Mm-hmm. And like I told people, I said, I think for me, the worst thing I realized, you know, I loved being the only child. I'm the only child for my mom. But right now, I don't like being the only child. <laughs> when I think about this conversation, who am I going to talk to? Who's going to help me? Oh, my God, I'm going to do this. So, you know, I go, like, I will tell you, I go through this whole episode in my head, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be all by myself and blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's, it's like Ray said earlier, it's, it's a fundamental part of life. We get born and we die the circumstances around the process in which we leave this earth is another situation but it happens Mm -hmm. and so to let you guys know we are over the top of the hour you guys have done amazing yes lisa Mm -hmm. you made the conversation on the disruption of death uh ray Mm -hmm. i'm so excited i'm so excited to start this journey with you guys I don't sh- I don't know what you guys think, but I think we can start something. I think this is a conversation that needs to be had. This is a conversation that we can do. 
um, if you guys are open to it, we can start having these conversations because I don't think a lot of people have this conversation. And so if we can do something from here, I think that would be great. And just, so, tell, every, just tell everybody to get insurance. I've told I've told my brothers, you will be cremated. It's shut, actually, you're going to be abandoned at the hospital. I'm not, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't just bury my mom and my dad for you to add yourself on the list. You better get you insurance yep. for your I wife, for your children, because you will be left at the hospital. Yep. I'm not playing with nobody. And I want to be committed. If you want to pull that stuff off, you want to be taken back home, you better have you. Like in my head, I know the kind of music that I want to play. I really want people to dance to Zook at my funeral. Like, you know, that's I want that. Like, I want you guys to have an experience. It's going to be great. I and I want so you guys to dress up like in the best fashion. Like that's what I want. I want it to be an experience, but you know me. Yeah, because I, I want. I think it's a waste. All that money for what? I just want to be cremated and buried in the backyard. Yeah, I want to be cremated. I don't want any. It's too much drama. If I'm don't even cremate me, put my body parts and whatever places they need to go and all that. We not all that. You know, you got to get a casket. Everybody got to cry and say whatever you got to say to me now. Keep it moving. Yeah, it is overrated. It is a it is a it is a garbage disposal ceremony. Yeah, well, I'm like a whole ceremony I, child. I want to ceremony. Okay, <laughs> like program. You guys think that if, if Ty Tribble live live me out, he should sing. Um, <laughs> I need Dan to do my funeral. Um, right. I need CC Winans to sing as a casket is being rolled on it. Like a lot of everything. Yes, yes but normalizing this is good. So just how yeah. we're talking about what we would. Yeah, and I think we should like having this conversation, like the people. Who are texting while we're talking? It's like, thank you for having this conversation. I'm going to have this conversation with my mom. I'm going to have it with my dad. I'm going to have it with my kids. And he buried you. Really, like there are people who are saying they're going to have it with their children, about their grandparents, and even their parents because you know that's a conversation we don't have with our kids. And you know, I, I actually I, wrote. A, I actually wrote a life list for my kids, and that was 12 years ago. And my daughter knows where it is. If anything happens to me. Please pull this. This is what I want you guys to become. Mm -hmm. This, you know, these are all the insurance policies. These are all the stuff. Life Please get to know Jesus. You will be fine. Don't <laughs> do like what I did, you know, and while that all did all the crazy things and I still had to deal with the grief. I, I had to be honest because I watched them and I bawled. How can I leave them helpless? Mm -hmm. I just couldn't do that after I'd gone through that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said, I remember I had a conversation with Matthias, but it was based on a, something else. He wanted to know why he had godparents. And that's how the conversation started. Mm. Okay, like, why, do I, why do I need godparents? I have God. Why do I need godparents? And so I had to explain to him the essence of godparents. And he said, oh my God, daddy. I'm like, yeah, if daddy and mommy die, these are the people that are responsible to take care of you, to provide services to you, and all that kind of stuff. And he understood it, and so he see his godparents in a different light. Yeah. Not like the way he saw it before. And so I think that's really important, but guys, I want to say thank you for being on the conversation. It's always outspoken and opinionated. 
I said, Lisa Stanford, thank you for returning. Mr. Ray Williams, thank you for returning. And Ibarra Okoye, you have made it into the conversation. That means you have to come back because once you get in, we always get you back. So I want to say thank you to you guys because you guys just don't understand how important this topic um, is. Um, there are so many people who are responding. We had amazing viewers. Um, who are watching, people are really responding to this. So, like I said, I don't know. I think it's God talking to me. <laughs> we need to talk about something and do something. I don't know why. I just feel it's like you guys were destined for this. I don't do coincidence. Um, Lisa knows me. I don't do coincidence. I feel that everything that happened is an ordained plan. is orchestrated for something greater. And so I feel that we are here for a reason. And so... You guys were on the conversation. Is there anything you would like to say to the audience before we end this show so I can go and get something to eat? <laughs> I would just add or finish up and say, just make sure that you're growing. Like, I love how Iberi said, you know, she's grown and mature. Make sure you don't stay stuck in one stage with grief because you can. Make sure you're growing on your grief journey, whatever that is, um, so that you can just grow in your perspective and also grow with what you would do for your kids or somebody else. So I think that's very important with dealing with death. Anybody else? Yeah, for me, I'll just say just be open to what God is doing. One thing I forgot to mention and I'll say real quick was God had somebody else, Mommy Suzette, make an official request to adopt me as her daughter. Best I decision. But I rejected her for 10 years and she was mature enough to be okay with it. She reached out to me, did everything. Mother, it wasn't until after I started going through Celebrate Recovery that I started reciprocating. Now we have the best relationship. And one thing happened about three years ago for me to know that God knows exactly what he's doing. She bought my son a gift for his birthday. And he comes out strutting with this gift. What did he have on? He had on a house coat. I cannot tell you how emotional that was for me because my mom was very particular about house coats. Like we literally had three or four house coats each. And she always wanted us all dressed in house coats. So to see mommy Suzette replicate that without ever really knowing, that took the cake from me. And we've had a wonderful relationship. She's my travel buddy. So for me, I'd say be open to how God lets you deal with your grief because sometimes you're so closed in and you know you think oh nobody else understands. But there's a sometimes there's a lot of silver linings out there. I wish I had taken it earlier, but you know it took me 11 years to get to where I was. Mr. Williams, you can just be quiet. <laughs> well, um, I, my advice: em, em, embrace the grief, em, embrace the pain. May let you because that person meant something to you, but don't live in it. You have to move on, but you have to embrace it. You have to feel that pain. It's a good thing. Okay, so this has been the conversation. I've spoken opinionated. I've had um, some amazing guests. I want to say thank you to everybody who tuned in to watch us. We will be back on Thursday again at 7 p.m. Follow us on YouTube at The Conversation Outspoken and Opinionated on Facebook, The Conversation Outspoken and Opinionated on Instagram, The Conversation with another N underscore. Now it's going to happen because we're here. We're going to have a good time. And I say bye to all my guests. And I say you guys.